I think I announced on Saturday or Sunday that uh, I was going to uh, kind of speak on the role of men as providers, protectors, and pursuers. And then after preaching on, through Exodus 32, and just in the middle of the night, about 3 a.m., the, the Lord just kind of woke me up. Actually, I had to go to the bathroom, so that's why I went to the bathroom. And then, and then the Lord, like He usually does, is He, he doesn't put me to sleep right away, but all of a sudden my, my head is usually filled with some thoughts. And I was thinking about man school. And He just impressed on my heart that, that the message wasn't to talk to you guys about providers, protectors, or pursuers, but to just dive a little deeper into what it means to be an intercessor. Uh, just again, going through Moses and seeing his role um, as an intercessor for the nation Israel. Uh, again, I just, I just felt that like, man, I need to just press in that a little bit more. One for my own soul, because this is what the Lord has been working on me. As you guys know, whenever you study a passage, and especially when you preach it, you first preach it to yourself. And this is something the Lord hasn't been impressing on me, is just to be a better intercessor, because I am not good at that. And we'll talk about that just a little bit. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to dive into what, what, what does it look like to, to be an intercessor um, a little bit deeper this evening. Again, our mission for Man School is to transform every man at the crossing into the man that we are designed, called, and gifted to be by following Jesus. That's what we want to be about. We want to transform every man, and we're transformed as we look to Jesus. As we talked about last month, that that as we look to Jesus, Jesus is the one true and perfect man. Therefore, if we want to be men of faith and we want to be the best men that God has created us, we want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we know as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and He is our highest treasure, then we'll be transformed into glory from one degree or another. We'll be transformed and start to look more and more like Jesus. The student will become more like the teacher right? The, the, the master, it will become more, uh, we will be, the disciple will become more like his masters. And I think as we, we sit back and we, and we take a look at Jesus, and we're going to, he is obviously central of what man school is all about, that one of the greatest attributes, one of the great characteristics or roles he plays is that of an intercessor. And he intercedes for us constantly. So what does it mean to, to intercede or be an intercessor? Wayne Grudem, um, one of my favorite theologians, says this, he says, Jesus' ongoing act of standing in God's presence and making petitions before him on our behalf as our great high priest. That's the first thing, that Jesus is standing in the gap for us right now in the presence of the Father, and he's interceding for us. He's, he's requesting things on behalf of us before God our Father. He is our great high priest. And then it also goes on and says, it also is a term used to refer to the prayers or of requests that we make for ourselves and others. So we also are intercessors. And um, this is going to be kind of our quick outline for tonight. Jesus standing in the gap for us before God our Father, number one, and then us standing in the gap for each other. Not only each other, but our family, our wives, our kids, our friends, our co-workers, our classmates, etc. So first, Jesus standing in the gap for us before God our Father. And this is where we always begin. We always begin with Jesus, right? Again, this is the, the whole theme. You're going to get tired of me saying this or whoever gets up there to say this. It's like we want to fix our eyes on Jesus. We always begin with Jesus. And so if we want to be great intercessors, we must first look to the one who intercedes for us. And that is, of course, Jesus. He is our great high priest. We know that in the Old Testament, 
that priests had some responsibilities. And they were mainly to lead, the, the tribe of Levi, to lead the people into worship through prayers, through songs. But also the main thing was their sacrifices through for sin, through the goats, the bulls, the animals, etc. That was their kind of main job. And we know these priests and these sacrifices that were going on in the Old Testament pointed to a greater priest and greater sacrifice who was to come. And we know that the greatest priest and the greatest sacrifice was the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10 tells us that the sacrifices of bulls and goats was impossible to cover or take away the sins. It was kind of a temporary system waiting for the one true sacrifice. That's why Jesus had to come and be the the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then we know in Hebrews chapter 9 it says this, that, that Jesus appeared once for all to the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so what we see here is that the Old Testament, the priest and the sacrificial system pointed to Jesus, who was the greatest sacrifice, he himself, and the greatest priest, he himself. So he was both and one. He was the greatest sacrifice and the greatest priest to administer the sacrifice by offering up himself to appease or reconcile sinners to the Father, to reconcile the wrath of God. And now here's the great news is that Jesus is still our high priest. And he's our high priest by interceding, as we said, with God the Father right now on our behalf. Now, that's a, that's a mind-boggling statement when you sit back and think about it. That Jesus, right now, is interceding before God the Father for each and every one of us in here. He is making requests for us in the presence of the Father. He is standing in the gap on your behalf and my behalf in front of God the Father, for our good and for His glory. It's an incredible thought when you sit and think about it. Hebrews 7.25 says this, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost to those who draw near to God through Him. Since He, get this, since He always lives to make intercession for them, for you, for me. Think about that. He always lives to make intercession for you and for me. Romans 8.34 says this, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That is a mind-blowing thought. That Jesus right now is interceding for millions of people all over the globe, yet at the same time for you. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. And he is, he, is, he is beseeching the Father. He is interceding for the Father. He's standing in the gap for you right now, for me right now. I mean, I just had to step, step back and pause when I started studying this even deeper and thinking through that. It's like, holy cow. That just caused me to stop and, and for like 10 minutes just be like in awe of what is taking place right now for me on behalf of Christ as our high priest. And we see that again, both Paul and the author of Hebrews are saying this. I'm going to repeat it. This is what Grudem says, that Jesus continually lives in the presence of God to make specific requests and specific petitions before God on our behalf. He truly is the the only and the one true mediator between us and God the Father. It's an incredible thought. So talk about security. Talk about hope. When you sit and you meditate on that, as you're walking through whatever you're going through right now, 
that before you even know what you need for tomorrow, Jesus is already interceding and beseeching God the Father who gives good gifts to his children right now on your behalf. It's an incredible, incredible, incredible thought and it brings security and hope. Second, our standing in the gap then is for each other. Because of what Jesus has done for you, because he's done for me, he has accomplished as our great high priest, again, our salvation, but not only our salvation, but also our sanctification. He's up there, he's, he's again pleading for our sanctification right now. So now we can fulfill our calling as interse- uh, intercessors down here for one another. As this past week I said that we have a, a great privilege to walk in the shoes of Jesus in this way that we get to intercede for one another. We get to stand in the gap for one another. We get to bear one another's burdens for one another. And we should not underestimate the power that is in our intercession for others. It's an incredible, incredible gift of God's grace for us. Moses was a prime example of Exodus 32, as again, he was interceding for the nation of Israel. While they were down there in rebellion, you can think of uh, Abraham in Genesis 18 when he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. You can think of Elijah. You can think of Daniel. You can think of the Apostle Paul and in all of his letters, how he always begins most of his letters with a prayer and how he is praying for that church in that city. He's interceding for them. It's an incredible, an incredible privilege. Now, the question then is for us, as I was thinking about this, is that's an incredible gift, but it's hard. Does anyone find it hard to intercede for one another in here? Go ahead and raise your hand. We can be honest. This is man school. I find it incredibly hard. As I already pointed out, this is something that first and foremost that I'm just looking at myself on me like, man, I, this is an area that I can really grow in. And I started asking my question, why, why do I think, it, why is it so hard uh, for me to intercede? And when we talk about intercession, we're usually and mainly uh, talking about prayer, praying for one another. That's, a, that's one of the main ways and probably the best ways that we can intercede with one another, obviously before God the Father, is to pray for one another. And why is that so hard? Why is that so hard for us? Well, for me, here's a couple things that I thought of and I've learned over the years um, through some faithful men. First, uh, intercessory prayer is hard because it usually revolves around two things. One, communication, us speaking to the Lord, communicating, and two, our emotions or sympathy or empathy. And when I look at my life, I'm naturally, and most men are in this category, we're not very good communicators and we're not very empathetic in general. Who would agree with me on that? Some of us. Again, this is general, not everybody. Some Some of us in here are very good communicators. And some of us in here are a little bit more sympathetic and empathetic than others. But in general, as I look at my life, it's like, man, prayer is hard. Intercessory prayer is even that much harder because it revolves around communication and it revolves around being sympathetic. Two areas in which I constantly need to grow. And then when I think through like who, who when, I, when I think of, of people that, that pray and intercede for one another, like who usually comes to mind? And usually who comes to mind are women. Women come to mind. They're great prayer warriors. Why? Because they're great communicators and they're great with empathy. I think, well, then that, that, that kind of makes sense. And so that's number one. The second thing that I thought of, why it's hard for me, is because I think in general for men, again, we're hardwired to fix things. We're hardwired to fix things and we don't want to ask for help. 
Yeah? Amen? Because we associate with asking for help with what? Weakness. Weakness. And of course, that's a lie from the devil, but that's how we, we think sometimes. Also, when we start to see someone else struggle, our flesh tends to rise up first, and instead of our natural inclination is not to be an intercessor, but what? A critic. At least that's me. I see someone struggling, and I think, oh man, my first thing is, man, I need to go alongside and help that person. My thinking is like, what do they do to get in that spot? What decisions do they make? Well, sure, you're there because of this, this, and this, right? That's, that's, that's the flesh that I got to battle because that's a natural thing that, has, that, that just is in my flesh is that naturally men are critics. Men are critics. And so these two things started out, I was thinking, like, man, that's right. So, so why do I have such a critical spirit? And, and I, you know, for some of us in here, it might be the way that you've been brought up. Maybe you, you've been brought up in, a, in, a, in an atmosphere where the, the main men in your life, it could be a dad, a grandparent, it could be a, you know, an uncle, it could be a coach, it could be a teacher, that the way that, that, that you grew up or the way that you think you ever heard anything or got any kind of input from anyone is only when they were criticizing you. And, and that was your model, and that's what you grew up in, and then, of course, that's what naturally flows from you, is a, is a critical spirit. I think also, like, you think of the statistics that talk about why men aren't in church. You know, the, the statistics are roughly like, um, I think it's like 60% and above are women, and there's roughly 40 or, or like 39% in men. So very few men are going to church. Why is that? Well, I think there's a lot of churches out there that have such a performance-driven model that they're not pro- proclaiming the gospel, but they're just, they're just, they're just blasting out truth without any grace. And all of a sudden, guys are hearing like, all they're hearing is like, they're just being constantly reminded of what a failure they are, how they're failing in every single area as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a, as a worker. And the message is try harder and do better. And they're just like, I just can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't take it anymore. I think maybe some of you have grown up in more of a fundamentalist church, you know, those churches that are, like they say, are no fun and all mental, Right? I mean, they're just constantly beating you down. They're constantly being critical of you. So those are some things that I think about that, that when I think about why is it so hard for us to be men who intercede for one another? One, it's just communication and our ability to empathize and be sympathetic with others. And two, um, we tend to be critical, first and foremost, rather than to, to come alongside now, of course, when we come to know Jesus, he kind of flips that on our head, but it's still difficult. I still have to fight the temptation to be critical. And I, and I did some, some contrast between some characteristics between an intercessor and a critic. And this really, this really sobered me up. First, an intercessor um, looks to help. A critic looks to hurt. An intercessor looks to build others up at their expense. A critic looks to build himself up at others' expense. An intercessor sees others have problems. A critic looks at others and say, you are the problem. Those are some of the things when I kind of compare the two. And man, I know, I know your heart and I know my heart. It's my heart. I don't want to be known as a critic. I want to be known as an intercessor. And again, that's why we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus first and foremost. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, so that we can be effective intercessors for our families, for our wives, for our kids, 
for our friends, for our co-workers, and others in our circles of influence and not critics. And so how do we do that? What are some quick, quick principles? One, um, in, in um, what was it? In, uh, let's see here. It was, draw near, where is it? Oh, in Hebrews 7.25, the first thing we can do, again, we always begin with Jesus in the gospel. And we pray, we pray that we would draw near to him. In Hebrews it says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God. So I think first, even as James says, is draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So that's the first thing. The first thing we do is we, we humble ourselves and we, again, we draw near to Jesus. We draw near to God the Father. Why? Because when we draw near to Him, the Holy Spirit leads, guides, and directs us and then gives us the heart of the Father. And so that's where we begin. We begin by praying and drawing near to Jesus. The second thing we do is we do this. We, we, we get together for man school. We get together for life group. We get together for Sunday gatherings, both informal and informal gatherings, where we get together outside these formal gatherings to hang and enjoy one another and to get into relationship and community with one another. Because intercession happens when we're in relationship with one another. It's not going to happen if we're not in relationship, if we're not in community with one another. Hebrews 10, 24 says, consider how to stir one another up. We can only stir one another up and learn where one another's at is when we're around one another. And it goes both ways. So that's the second thing is we need to gather and we continue to build community and relationships and we need to be consistent. One of the podcasts that we'll do is that when we talk about disciples, what we look for is, is we look for what's called fat C's. Fat seeds. We look for, for, for men who are faithful, available, teachable, and committed. That's who we look for. And we want to build those relationships. So there's a consistency there. And then finally, the third thing is just to do it. It's just to pray for one another. Like we just did with Jason. It's taking those opportunities just to come around him and pray for one another. And so with that, that's the short that's the short little Devo. I have some questions for you guys that I want you to spend the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes and, and kind of talking about. I think, oh, boom, Tyler has them up on the screen. And so um, the questions are, let's just rip through them. Do you view Jesus mainly as a critic or as an intercessor? And then has your view changed or been strengthened after hearing just shortly what we talked about in Hebrews 7, Romans 8, and 1 Timothy 2? Let's go to the next one, Tyler. Um, do, oh, who in your life has been an intercessor for you and share what they mean to you? In your own life, do you see yourself as a critic or as an intercessor or both? Please explain. And what do you think your wife, kids, or coworkers would say? Yep. And then the last one is, how can we be praying or interceding for you this week? And then we have some homework. Married men, go home and ask your wife and or your kids on how you can be praying for them and then pray for them right on the spot and try and shoot for this, do it three times a week. Let's, you know, just shoot. But not only ask your wife or your kids, but then do it right on the spot. All right? And then tell me the stories. I want to hear your wife's stories. Be like, you would never guess what happened. My husband prayed for me for the first time ever. Okay, that's okay. We want to start there. Single, single men, go and ask a couple friends, coworkers, or family members how you can be praying for them. And if you can pray for them, then you pray for them right on the spot. 
And then just do that in life group for everybody. A couple other quick things. One, I want to I just share on the story of intercession and how it works. What you sow is what you reap. We know that's a scripture in the Bible. And I want to talk about my son, Nate, right here. So uh, as you guys know, we have, we have five kids. And, and, and those of you guys know Nate, you think Nate is the most awesome kid you've ever met in your entire life, right? Amen. The most compassionate, hardest working, most giving kid, like, yes, sir, I'll do whatever, right? Well, he, when, when he was growing up, he was not that way, okay? This is part of being a pastor's kid. You're going you're gonna to get it sometimes, but this will end up in a, in, a, in a good way. Huh? Yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on, you'll see. <clears throat> so growing up, Nate was an absolute terror, like terror. Like he was the kids, we'd go to people's houses and he would be bouncing off their furniture left and right. And we were constantly like, Nate, get down, Nate, get down, Nate, get down. Don't do that. You know, constantly. He's ding, 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 ding. Just would never listen. He was loud. He was aggressive. Um, he wouldn't listen. He was the only, our only kid that Rita said, you need to get home right now. I have locked him in the room and he, I, I'm not, I, I, I can't get it. I'm, I, I can't get home now right? Twice that happened. Only one. His nickname growing up, Bam Bam. Bam Bam was his nickname growing up. He would, uh, <laughs> we thought he was going to grow up and be a serial killer. We really did. <laughs> he, he would do stuff like he'd, he'd get the hockey stick and just start taking out all the goldfish in the tank, you know, just, <laughs> and then just going around and whacking everything and anything he can. And so, so Nate was tough. And, th- and there were times where he would be sleeping, and I would just go in his room and pray over him. Um, and just ask the Lord to intervene, to intercede. Because up to Rita and I, we were, we, we were helpless. We needed the Lord to act. And we were praying, you know, praying over him. And by God's grace, the Lord answered those prayers. Uh, as I already said, out of all of my five kids, Nate is the most giving, the hardest working, and um, the most empathetic, sympathetic, and the best looking. All right, there you go. And I love all my kids. My, all my kids have strength, and, I, and I'm not ashamed to be like, if they were sitting right here, they'd know that. They'd be all like, yep, that's true. That's true. In fact, uh, I don't know who it was, Madison, Madison or JT, or no, Madison, or Steven. It's so like, Dad, if you had to pick one kid, you know, the zombie apocalypse was going down, if you had to pick one kid, who would it be? I'm like, well, first of all, I wouldn't pick one kid. It'd be take you all around going down with the ship. I said, but if I did have to pick one kid, it would be Nate. Because <laughs> he's bigger, he's stronger, and he's obedient. He listens the first time. So, all I have to say is that, you know, you so as you pray and you sow and you can intercede that the Lord will reap. And I, you know, I, uh, even as Jason shared, you know, my, my heart aches and, 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 and right now our prayer is still for the Lord to keep them. And that, that for, for, for guys like Jacob, and there's others in our body that have that kids that have, have, have turned their back for now, but as long as they still have a breath, I believe the scripture tells us, Lord, that as, as you've trained them up, that in the day that they will, they will turn. And I, and I think that's not necessarily a guarantee, but I, that's, a, that's a promise in which I, I think I just hold on to, 
And so I think I know as all of us as fathers um, with our kids, Lord, first and foremost, you young dads be praying for your kids right now for their salvation, for their for their souls. And for those of us with older kids that maybe not in the faith, we still beseech the Lord and intercede for their salvation and safety. And the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And he will answer our prayers, I believe. Let me pray. Father, uh, we do thank you for today. Uh, this is a day you have made, Lord, and we rejoice and are glad in it. And this is towards the tail end for, for, for many of us. Many of us are going to go home and um, are, are going to shower or put our jammies on or whatever we do. And then we're going hit, to hit the pillow, hit the sack. And Lord, I pray that as men, when we hit the when our head hits the pillow, that we're tired. Because as men, that's what we're called to do. We're called to work. We're called to, to live for your glory in whatever we do, whether word or deed or whatever we do, we do for your glory. So by the end of the day, all of us, we should be tired when our head hits that pillow because we worked hard for, for you. Not to earn anything, but just to be thankful for what you have given us. And so, Lord, I pray that, again, that you grant us all great sleep. And, Lord, I do also want to pray for the border situation, really our nation and our country, that we, we intercede for one another, but we need to be interceding for our, our nation and our country, and right now for Boulder and, and that other place that had the, the shooting. Um, Lord, we, we know the issue isn't the weapon, because we can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, where Cain killed Abel, and whether he used his hands or a rock, we don't know, but, but he died. We know that in Nazi Germany, it was a gas chamber. And we know that tonight or, or yesterday was a, was a gun. Or it's not the weapon. What the weapon is is a, is, a, is a broken and a blackened and a dark and a sinful heart. And so, Lord, the only, the only change for that is not any kind of law that a governor, governor could pass. The only change is, is for your gospel to go forth and to, for people to hear it, to repent of their sins and cross over from death to life. And the way that will take place is we as your ambassadors who love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and, and have the desire to, to not to see any of these tragedies happen anymore is that we would be proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, by your spirit, that you would change the hearts and people would humble themselves, repent, and trust in you. And Lord, so we pray for revival. We intercede for this country for revival, for, for even a Joe Biden to come to faith and it just trickled down from his cabinet and all those on the, in the Washington, D.C. and our leaders at the, the federal level, but then also the state level, the government level, uh, the city level, the county level, etc. Well, we just pray for, your, for, for revival, that men, women, and children would bend the knee to Jesus because we know that is the only answer. And so, Lord, we, we pray for that. And may we continuously pray for that. May we continuously intercede just as Moses did for his, for his people, for his nation. May we do the same for the United States of America and the rest of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.